What is going on, sports fans? I am super excited to be starting a uh, new podcast. Been thinking about doing this for a while. Obviously, normally you guys see me on YouTube when I give you guys news updates with the New York Giants. But uh, I thought this would be, a, you know, a, something different. Obviously, we're still going to talk about the Giants. You guys know Mike. I'm going to uh, bring it over to him in a second. Uh, that's both of our, the teams that we love. But this is going to be more of like a broad sports thing where we talk about major topics from around the league. And we still obviously focus on the teams that we love. Uh, that being the Knicks for me, the Nets for Mike. Yankees for Mike, Mets for me. So you're going to get different perspectives when it comes to both sports when it's in the limelight. But right now, obviously, it's majority NFL. I mean, obviously, you got the NBA right now, but it's kind of the regular season. Things don't really eat up until the playoffs. You got the, uh, you know, the NFL playoffs coming up soon. So there'll be a lot to talk about. And really excited. I'm really excited to jump into some of the major storylines for the Giants in this episode, uh, as well as uh, get a little broad NFL talk. But what's going on, Mike? Yeah, what's going on? I appreciate you having me, of course, and hopefully this is the start of something special for us. We'll see where it takes us. Uh, it's funny because the past couple of years, I've always had comments like, hey, Mike, you should start a podcast, and I just never did it. And now in the past month, I've now been a part of three podcasts, so it's really been coming along uh, a lot recently here. So uh, yeah, it should be exciting. There's a lot to talk about now. I mean, half the NFL has a positive COVID and Russell Wilson to the Giants, maybe Joe Judge talk. There's a lot to go over, so this should be a good show. Yeah, there's a there's a ton to talk about, and uh, we're going to start with that. I, I think that's like the, the big topic right now that a lot of Giants fans and just NFL fans in general are, are going to want to talk about, being that that's the big rumor. And about, I don't know, a week ago it came out. I forgot who said it, but, you know, obviously not somebody as prominent as Ian Rappaport came out and said that Russ had three desired locations, that being the New Orleans Saints, that being the New York Giants, and that being the Denver Broncos. And a lot of Giants fans scoffed that off and, for good reason, you know, and I'll get into my reasoning why it may not necessarily be the best idea and said, why would Russ ever want to come here? Then Wilson had a, a press conference uh, before the game this week, and he basically said, that's nonsense. I have no interest in ever leaving the Seattle Seahawks. Basically, maybe I'm paraphrasing a bit, but basically said, I want to finish my career here in Seattle if things work out. And the way that I read into that when he had that was, well, what else is the guy going to say, right? Russell right. Wilson is the type of guy that has like a squeaky clean image. He's a guy that wants to be the leader of the football team. He'd look like a bad teammate if he came out and definitively said from within season that he wants to move on. Um, that's the way I took it. And then today, I'm going to read this quote here right uh, real quick for me and Rappaport, and then we'll jump into it. Rappaport said, this week it leaked that Russell Wilson would okay three potential locations and waive his no trade clause. If he was traded, the Giants, Saints, and Broncos, that is true. And that's coming from Ian Rappaport himself, who is probably the most credible NFL insider in the league. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting, honestly, to know that Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in football, wants to come to our organization, which, uh, let's be honest, we have not been that good the past half decade. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with location and all those things, but just the fact that he would uh, waive the no trade clause to come here is pretty exciting. And it really does count come down to the offer. I really think it comes down to how much the Seahawks are asking for. There are some Giants fans that are very much against Russell Wilson and some Giants fans that are very much for Russell Wilson. But for me, at least, I think it comes down to the offer. Because let's be honest, Chris, if the Seahawks called you and said, hey, we'll give you Russell Wilson for a third round pick I mean yeah you're taking that in the second right let's be honest so it comes down to the pick and we were in a stream last week actually and someone put together a great trade offer that was really 50 50 on it was a 2022 first round pick 2022 third round pick and a 2023 first round pick and Daniel Jones and that really had me at 50 50 and I think at that point that's probably the furthest I would go for Russell Wilson obviously I would love to have a guy seeing Russell Wilson and Giants blue is like something that is like only a part of our imagination. So to see that would be so cool. But it depends on the offer for me, but I'm definitely not totally against it. I'll, I'll put it that way. 
Yeah, I see both sides of it, and I'm always a guy that likes to keep keep an open mind. You know, I think yeah. you have a lot of fans that they'll they'll look at this and they'll be like, no way, because they they feel like there's only one proper way to build a football team. And listen, I side with the majority of the fans that are against this trade for the most part. Like, I am definitely not a quick fix guy. I've seen a lot of teams try to do things like this in the past when I felt like it was not going to work, and normally it doesn't. Of course, there's instances where it has, but you could certainly look at it. The Tampa Bay Bucks were much more equipped to bring in a quarterback like Tom Brady and, and be able to compete right away. Um, you could say the same thing with, uh, obviously, Peyton Manning, right? With uh, Tim Tebow was kind of holding back that uh, Denver Broncos team. They had a really good defense. They already had really good weapons in place. And bringing in a signal caller like Peyton Manning could certainly put them over the top. I also see, you know, from the people that are strong Russ, and you have to bring in Russ under any circumstance, I could see the perspective in terms of the fact that Russell Wilson in the past has demonstrated he's been able to overcome less than ideal circumstances, which the goal for the Giants should be to have a much better uh, circumstance than they do, regardless of who the quarterback is. Because right now, if we're being honest, Mike, our situation is complete hell. I mean, we have, we have a bottom five scheme in football in terms of our offensive scheme. Our offensive line is a joke. So I don't think Russell Wilson, if you bring him in here, is going to make you right away compete for a Super Bowl. But what the devil's advocate to that argument could be, well, it may not happen the first year, but this guy's going to be 33. He'll be 34 late into next year. And this is a guy that's come out and said that he wants to play till 40, 41, 42, kind of like Tom Brady. So it wouldn't just be a one-year experiment. And you could and you could at least argue if you, if you built this team up and – really situated Russell Wilson with a decent offensive line, he may be able to get a lot out of this offense and make the surrounding team better. After all, with Seattle, he's done a hell of a job keeping that team competitive outside of this year where the team's obviously struggled. He's dealt with some injuries, but his stats still are pretty good. 16 touchdowns, four picks, 104 QB rating. New York Giants fans would die for that right now. And anybody that's downplaying Russell Wilson in terms of him being at least a borderline top five quarterback, they're kidding themselves. He's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So I can see both sides of it. In, in terms of your uh, trade that you said you'd be interested in as far as you would go, I personally would not go that far. However, I would not discount the possibility at all. I'd be open to trading one first-round pick and potentially maybe two mid-round picks to bring in a guy like Russell Wilson. Maybe a first and a third in this draft, maybe a future third or fourth. That's something I'd, have, I'd be intrigued by as a Giants fan. I'm not saying that that's my optimal route. I'm definitely a long-term thinker and a guy that wants to build up this line and and really set it up for the future quarterback to come in here and get the job done. But at the end of the day, Mike, and we're going to get into Joe Judge uh, during this podcast, if Judge is coming back here, you also have to think from Joe Judge's perspective, is this a guy who knows his job's going to be on the line that is going to be willing to come back here next? Well, obviously he's going to be willing, but is he going to think it's in the best interest of his potential future with the New York Giants with a starving fan base to come back with a either a rookie quarterback or a quarterback like Daniel Jones who – has had injury struggles and obviously has not had the best record in the NFL, you know, to put up enough wins for him to keep his job going into year four. So I think there's a lot that goes into this that at least makes it a moderate possibility. Yeah, there's a lot I want to touch on here. I mean, I think you have to put yourself in Joe Judge and John Mayer's shoes and realize, hey, we're not a good football team. We were supposed to win this year. And I think these guys will do anything to have a winning season next year. And what better way to do that than trade for a top five, six, seven quarterback in the NFL? Like that is going to be a quick fix. Now, I agree with you. I would rather start from the ground up and build the foundation and do this thing the right way. But as I just mentioned about Joe Judge and John Mara, they might not look at it the same way. There is a chance the Giants don't rebuild next year the correct way. I could actually see that being the case. And a chance? Giants, probably a probability. Pro yeah, there's probably a good chance, actually. So um, we know it's probably not going to be the likely outcome, and the Giants might look for a quick fix. And 
I don't think that's the right way to do it, but it's also like, hey, Russell Wilson's a superstar. And there's two narratives I don't like about the Russell Wilson thing. One is that he's too old. I mean, Russell Wilson said in 2019 that he wants to play for 10 to 15 more years. Now, is that going to be possible? We'll find out. But I personally believe Russell Wilson has six to eight really good years of football left in him. We know how much these rule changes favor the quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, outside of unfortunately hitting his middle finger on a guy's like elbow and bending it backwards, has had a tremendous bill of health throughout his entire career. So Russell Wilson is very durable. And his record for his career, I just saw, was like 102. 51 and one the guy's a winner like i'm not going to season to come here and make the giants a super bowl contender but if daniel jones was the giants quarterback next year i don't think like eight to ten wins is out of the realm of possibilities so i'd be excited to see if you know if he does come here i would definitely like I'd be super excited for it, but I'd also be like, I don't want to give up the two first round picks this year. Of course, I don't want to give up like the entire future, but obviously if you're Seattle, you're going to have a few teams bidding on Russell Wilson, probably the saints, probably the Broncos, maybe even the Steelers and maybe even the giants. So it's not going to be like the giants will get him for nothing. You have to give a, a good offer for Wilson and, if the Giants want to give up, you know, a separate first, a first this year and a first next year, and maybe a couple other things, I can live with that. I wouldn't be too thrilled about it. It's not a steal, but having Russell Wilson being the Giants quarterback is something I can't say no to in most cases. Yeah, let's put it this way. If you get Wilson, as long as it's not in, in, in a, you know, an insane, you know, package that you give up to get him, I'm not going to scream about it. At the end of the day, it's Russell Wilson. Let's be, you know, fair as a fan base. I still think he's a damn good quarterback. Like you said, I think a lot of fans look at it this year and, they see that he hasn't been the same Russell Wilson, but he's still pretty damn good. And like you said, he's been dealing with an injury, not to mention Seattle's offensive line, maybe the only offensive line in football that may be worse than ours. Uh, so the Giants, you know, if the Giants were to trade for Russell Wilson, I'll say this right now. If you, if they were ever to do this, and I, I still don't think we're the favorites, I still think New Orleans makes a lot more sense for him. I think Denver makes a lot more sense for him. And if Russell Wilson's about prolonging his career, He'd be a lot smarter to go to a nice cushy dome in New Orleans, get to play with Sean Payton, get to play with that already developed offensive line. Um, and much like they were able to do for Drew Brees, they'd be able to do that for Russell Wilson as well. You come to the Giants, you may not be able to prolong your career as well as you may like. We saw that happen with Eli Manning later in his career as well. Because you have to figure even by 38-39, Wilson's not going to have the same skill set that he has now. Still could be a very smart quarterback. You see Tom Brady getting the job done. Brady's also surrounded himself with a very good cast in in, uh, in Tampa Bay. He saw the diminishing cast in New, in New England. That's why he wanted to get out of there because he knew they weren't going to give him the best opportunity to succeed. So from prolonging his career from that standpoint, the Giants are probably the last team he should be thinking about um, out of the teams that he's listed. But what I will say is I think the main draw for Russell Wilson here is the off-the-field stuff. I really do. If you ask me what, what's his main reason for wanting to come to the Giants, is his wife, Ciara, has come out in the past, said she's wanted to live in New York. I think he's a guy that's also, I've read quotes in the past, that's it's kind of how like why LeBron went to L.A. It was a lot of off-the-field stuff for future mm -hmm. things after his career. Wilson kind of has that same mindset. And I think that would be the biggest draw for him to come to the New York Giants. And I do think there's at least some, there's something to this. Let's put it that way. And, We'll see if it ultimately happens. Uh, I won't go. I, I'm obviously not going to be upset if the New York Giants brought him in. And I definitely think it would make the New York Giants at least a fun product to watch. He's definitely been a guy that's been able to show. But if you bring him in, and as much as some Giants fans may not want to hear this, if they were to do this, for me, I'm not even thinking about the defense. I I am doing everything in my power to be able to make sure I could maximize Russell Wilson. If you were to trade for Russell Wilson, you got to go line, 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 line. You got to make sure you can show up that offensive line as quickly as possible to be able to get the most out of Russell Wilson. Because at that point, you're on a time clock. 
you get you, you're bringing a guy at 34. You know he's going to start to at least diminish a little bit in terms of his skill set as he wears along. You have to be able to have the best supporting cast possible as quickly as possible uh, to be able to try to compete uh, for a Super Bowl within three years because that's got to be the goal if you go out there and trade for a guy like Russell Wilson. That's what I was saying, though. Like, if the Giants – let's say Russell Wilson was a Giant right now. They would have to try and win every game, like, 23, 20, 17, 14. Like, the Giants' offense is in no position, really, to put up a lot of points. And as much as Russell Wilson kind of uh, masked the deficiencies of bad teams, like we've seen in Seattle the past few years, um, he still probably can't average 30 points per game on a terrible offense like this when your play callers are Freddie Kitchens slash Jason Garrett, and you have an offensive line that's – Let's just say not very good. So, you know, Russell Wilson coming here, I do agree with you. I think you have to build the offensive line and put more attention to it. And if they were to hypothetically do the trade I put out there, the Giants would still have a first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick this year. And that's why I like the trade. Like, the Giants trading back last year and getting the extra first and extra third-round pick puts the Giants in a position to maybe do this trade. Like, if they didn't have the extra picks, I would probably be more against it. But the fact that the Giants can trade a first and a third this year and still have a first and a third makes yeah. it more appealing. Let's let's just put it, you know, let's just say how it is. That's a great point you bring up. And I, I basically said when I thought about it, I'm like, when people ask me, I think, I think you actually asked me when we were on your channel like three weeks ago, would you give up a first-round pick for Wilson before these rumors even came about? And I said, well, the way I would rationalize as, as a fan if they were to do that, I mean, basically, I'm trading down from 11 to 20 and getting Kadarius, Tony, and Russell Wilson. That's essentially what you did because you got that extra first-round pick and then you used that first-round pick to acquire Russell Wilson. And it's hard for me to say no to that. Now, when the second first-round pick comes into play is when I certainly start to question it. But I think I would be on board with that as some as much as some Giants fans may not be and they want to think long-term. And I definitely think there's still a, a strong portion of the fan base that um, – I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say strong at this point, but there's still certainly – at least a decent size of the fan base that still thinks Daniel Jones could be the long-term answer and they want to support him as the quarterback. And I definitely respect their opinions, but at the end of the day, you got to start to question Daniel Jones's health, if nothing else, um, and whether or not he could be the long-term answer for this football team. So I think, I think it's something that you have to at least pick up the phone and, and entertain a potential offer if this is true. And if they bring in a new GM, which I think we both agree is going to happen, no ties to Daniel Jones. So it certainly makes it at least a moderate possibility. That's correct. And as I said, you know, Judge and Mayor will do anything to win. And if you're the new GM and you're like, hey, I can make a big splash here and get Russell Wilson to the Giants. I mean, that new GM may have an ego, may have that mindset of like, let's just do it. Let's let's see what happens. Like, you know, I mean, it's very tough to say no to, to superstar players. It's like for the Brooklyn Nets when some Nets fans didn't want to give up D'Angelo Russell. I'm like, listen, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving say, I want to be a part of your team, you don't say no to that. And the same thing kind of applies here. When Russell Wilson says, I want to be a part of your team, it's very hard to say no to that, even given the circumstances. When you've been, when you've been as bad as we have for, yes. for as long as we have, too, like you said, the pressure is going to be on Mara uh, and Judge, and you have to take that into account if you're a fan for either one of these teams, um, which is going to kind of turn me to Judge. You know, now that we're talking about how Judge, if he is back, maybe, you know, more incentivized to try to potentially make a move like this to bring in Russell Wilson to try to keep his job long term, um, knowing that he's going to be on the hot seat. Well, a report came out um, a couple of days ago. I think there was a report before that uh, about two weeks from Ian Rappaport before the Eagles game, basically saying the same thing that expect Joe Judge to be back next year with the New York Giants. And I think all of us have agreed as Giants fans that Dave Gettleman is going to be replaced as the general manager by year's end. But then the question becomes, well, how do you go about getting that general manager? And are they going to keep Joe Judge? If you keep Judge, I think it definitely limits the potential hiring candidates. And we're going to talk about that throughout the discussion of who you could bring in. But before we turn it over, let's just jump into a couple of the quotes that came out from 
And some of these, to me, are, are, are pretty funny um, when, when you really hear the words. And I hope that Mara's right in these assumptions, if these are true. Um, but this is coming out um, earlier, uh, two, I think it was a day or two ago, from uh, SNY. A few weeks ago, I would have told you no chance he gets fired, said one NFL source to Ralph Bacchiano. Now, even after the Giants' 37-21 loss to the Chargers on Sunday, I'd probably still say no chance. Mara loves Judge. He thinks he's found his Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells. And there's just no way he gives up on another coach this soon. So I, I'll let you start, and then we'll jump into a couple more quotes as well. Well, that, that's a crazy comparison to make right there. I mean, after year one, I could have said, all right, I see your direction. But, I mean, when your head coach regresses in year two, I just don't know how you can still be in love with the guy. Like, I, I love Joe Judge. You love Joe Judge last year. We all did. And now it's like – I just don't think the guy's that good of a head coach right now. And maybe, maybe part of it's the talent and his offensive play caller and, and the injuries. I'll give him the pass there. The only thing I really love about Joe Judge right now has been the direction of like where they go in the offseason. I think the offseasons from 2020 and 2021 have been way more improved than the Gettleman and Shermer offseasons. That's, like that's like the nicest thing I can say about Joe Judge right now. But in terms of like coaching on the sidelines, like he doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing sometimes. Like, for example, how do you not go for it on the fourth and two? on the 50 and your first drive, right? Your four and eight football team, your heavy underdogs, you, you punt it there, right? He fools us. He puts the offense on the field and takes them off and punts it. And then later in the game on like a fourth and nine on your own 38, you fake a punt and you don't get it. Like th it's those type of things that drive me crazy. We know about the timeout usage. Remember the Miami one, how he wastes a timeout before the first quarter ends when he didn't need to. I just, there's some, there's certain things that Joe judge does where I'm like, I just don't know if this guy's a good head coach. And he probably will be back here next year. We'll have to deal with it. But I feel like we heard a lot about Pat Shermer in 2019, how like he was safe. And then, of course, we know what happened. I feel like if things do get bad, there's still a chance Judge is fired. I lean 60-40 on this day that he'll be back here next year. But I do think everything's up for possibility, especially with a lot of these in-division games being at home, like the Cowboys and Washington. If they get embarrassed in these games, I think John Mara couldn't flip a switch and be like, all right, I'm done. But the problem is John Mara – I think he's operating out of fear. That's my biggest concern here. He's operating out of fear. He's not going to make the best decision for the New York Giants. John Mara looks at this and says, well, I fired two other coaches in two years. I can't do the same thing for a third guy. That's what I think he's going to come down to. It's not like, is Joe Judge a good head coach? It's going to be more of, well, I can't fire another head coach in two years. That's my biggest concern about this whole thing. Yeah, and and to be fair, you and me said the same thing when they hired Judge. We, we, we said there's no way you could fire this guy after two years. And But at the same time, like you said, he has taken a big step back this year. And for me, the biggest reason to move on from Judge isn't because I don't think he could progress as a coach. Do I think it's possible he could? Yeah, he's young. He's inexperienced. He was never head coach before. And to be fair, he has not been given an ideal circumstance. Let's be real. His first job with COVID, shortened offseason this year. I mean, you look at the injury list. Everybody on this team has been hurt. That does not excuse some of the decisions he's made from within the game. You go all the way back to the beginning of the year when he throws the challenge flag, when he knows that it's going to waste the time out. Like, he's done things this year, and I know as fans, when the team's losing, you're going to really nitpick and find things that you don't like because you're trying to find reasons why to hate the team. If the Giants were winning, we'd overlook some of these things, probably similar to what we did last year. To be fair, if we really went back and looked and analyzed Judge the way that we're analyzing him this year, as strictly as we are as a fan base, there are probably things we didn't like last year either, but because he was new, he was fresh, and we went into last year with very little expectations. And the fact that he kind of exceeded them, especially with the way that the team finished, we didn't really look at it that way. So if I'm being honest, had they done it the right way, which in 2019, I personally, I don't know what your full opinion on this was, 
I would have kept Shermer and I would have kept Gettleman for another year. And had it not worked out, I would have blown it up, which it probably wouldn't have. We'll never know. We don't know how Jones would have played had he been back with Shermer in the same scheme. It doesn't matter anymore. That's in the past. But that's what I would have done. They didn't do that. And had they done it the right way when they moved on from Shermer and fired Gettleman, which is what I would have done had I fired Shermer, I would not have done one and one um, and you brought in a GM with Judge, I probably wouldn't be as outspoken to fire Judge as I am now. But to me, it's the fact that if you don't fire Judge, you're limiting your hiring potential for the general manager. Now, the, the thing that you could say for that is some of these guys that we fantasize about that we hope would take this job if they fired Judge may not necessarily want it. I mean, Ed Dodds has turned down a lot of jobs in the past. Um, you know, just last year, uh, you know, some of these higher profile guys may not be rushing, like a guy like Bergonzi, who's with the Chiefs, may not be rushing to take this job. So I guess maybe the Giants could certainly argue that, but I don't like to pigeonhole myself to just either promoting from within or bringing in a Patriot guy. It's probably a Patriots guy or Lewis Riddick right now. That's the way I look at it. That's what I'm yeah. mentally prepared for. And and to me, that's not ideal. You, you, you don't want to limit your hiring potential. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's pretty much what they're doing. I, I was actually with you back then. I, I made a video in 2019 about – you know, why Pat Shermer should stay. A lot of people didn't like that, but I, I do agree when you have the GM and head coach on a different timeline, it screws everything up. And it just, it sucks because it was so predictable. Like when they were, when they fire uh, Shermer, we knew Gettleman probably was going to be on a short leash anyway. And here we are two years later, he's gone. And now we're going to have a new GM with a new head coach. Well, not new head coach, but the same head coach that the new GM doesn't really have familiarity with unless we bring in a guy from New England who does know Judge. So, yeah, we're really pretty much limiting our options at GM, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But let's be honest, a lot of what John Merritt does doesn't make sense. So I guess we're kind of used to it at this point. And the other thing you do is if he if he does go – if he does do what we think he's going to do if he sticks with Judge, and that's bringing a Patriots guy, it almost gives – much like it did for Gettleman – it almost gives Judge a longer leash because when they hired Judge, I think it guaranteed that Gettleman was going to at least see this season through. It gave Gettleman two more years. If you bring in a Patriot guy, I think it's giving Judge two more years because you're going from outside the organization to bring him in. If you just promote, say, a guy like Kevin Abrams or if you promote somebody that's currently on the staff, I could look at it like, ah, it's a possibility. This team really stinks next year. They just completely rip it up, and then they bring in an outside guy. But if they bring in a guy from the Patriots, no GM's taking this job with, a, with only a guarantee of one year. <laughs> And, and he can't keep flipping these guys. So it almost gives them, gives Judge a longer leash. And obviously, as a fan, you hope that he improves as a head coach. But, and I'm all for stability. I, but, and, and that's what I always promote on my channel. I want this organization to finally be a stable organization. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've had three head coaches since 1969. I say it all the time, right? There's not a lot of turnover there, but you need the right guys in place that are building this team the right way. And, and I understand why Giants fans feel the way they do with Joe Judge. Like you said, all the questionable decisions. The timeout on second and 23 from his own 13-yard line in the third quarter. I mean, it's inexcusable, some of the decisions that this guy has made. And I think the other thing that really irks Giants fans, uh, much like it did with Pat Shermer and much and much like it did with Ben McAdoo, was the way that, the way that he handles the media after the game. And I, and I understand where Judge is coming from. It, it is a tough spot, especially when you have a rabid fan base and he's not trying to throw any of, of his players under the bus, which I, I respect. He's not trying to throw Nate Solder under the bus. He's not trying to uh, throw these guys under the bus. But it's just so redundant the way that he answers these questions. I'm going to go look at the tape. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go look at the tape. I'll get back. And the one thing I always say, Mike, is, well, I, why don't you just ask him about the previous week then? Because obviously he looked at the tape by then. Maybe now he could finally answer the question. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't blame anybody. He always talks about the tape, and I and I understand. 
And then he comes out and he basically says the last two weeks he is proud of the way this team is competing. They were down 30 to seven, Mike, and I, <laughs> in the, entering the fourth quarter. And I understand that they were outmatched. I knew going into the game they were going to get destroyed. But that's not the message that the fan base wants to hear. It, it just feels like every time Judge talks, it's getting worse. Like it, you just want to tell the guy, all right, shut up and don't say anything. Like basically is what it comes down to with, with him. And Ben McAdoo was a big, like, I got to look at the tape guy. But I think Joe Judge might exceed it at this point. Like he, he pretty much has that same default answer. And I, I just hate how hypocritical he can be sometimes too. Like Judge was standing at the podium saying, I'm not an excuse maker. I'm not an excuse guy. This is a results driven business. But here you are making excuses about your headset after the Chiefs game as to why you don't know how to use timeouts. Like, like I don't know. Like, we've been to NFL games. They have the scoreboard, the timeouts, the, the time left in the game. Like, you don't need to have your headset working to not waste a timeout in a terrible situation. So it's things like that where I'm like, I don't know. I think he's kind of a BSer at some points. But as you said, he's young. He could get better. He's going to be here next year. So as a fan, we have to kind of just – Hope he works out. That's pretty much all we can do right now. But I want to I want to ask you this. What if the Giants next year, let's say they hire some GM from the Patriots, one of the guys you mentioned before, um, and let's say the Giants go 5-12 and 12 next year and the team is visibly quitting on Joe Judge and you just know it's, it can't work anymore. What do you do now? You have a new GM that was supposed to come in and work with Judge, but a team that's visibly quitting on Joe Judge and a bad record once again for the third year in a row. What do you do? <laughs> I think if you're John Mara. You need to have a sit down with if you're going to keep Joe Judge and the general manager. You have to you you have to have a sit down at the end of the year. The one thing I always say is you should never let the fan base impact what you're going to make the decisions you make as an organization because I think that's the dumbest thing you could ever do. Obviously, us as fans, we want to feel like we could impact them, but we should not. As an organization, they should make decisions based on what they feel is the best interest of the football team, and they should bring in guys that are the best decision makers to make those decisions. But we as fans should not impact the decisions that the organization makes. So what I'll say is they need to have a clear game plan going forward. And, and as a fan of the, of the New York Giants, if you're going to make a plan, stick with it. Now, the reason, if you bring back Joe Judge, that I don't think you could have a 5-1 season next year and sell Joe Judge for another year, and we're going to get into a couple more of these quotes of what he said, he is now talking about how he's building something. He's thinking long-term, foundational, foundational, foundational. I so if that. you don't completely <laughs> blow it up going into next year or completely blow it up going into year four and Judge is still on the roster, well, what the hell have you been building your first two or three years here with the New York Giants? You know what I'm saying? So basically, Judge has been selling us, and I'm all for it, man. When I first heard Joe Judge say it, man, I'm all about it. I'm all about building, building, building. I want to have stability. I want to build this team the right way because when we get good, if we do it the right way, this team may be good for an extended period of time, which is something I long for as a fan. Haven't seen it since the first eight, nine years of Eli Manning's career. So it's something that we need as a fan base. I'm completely for that. But if you then go and throw a dud in year three, well, what the hell have you been building? You know what I'm saying? Like this year, maybe at the end of the year, they could chalk it up to injuries, this, that, the other thing. There's been a ton of them. I'm going to be as fair as I can be as a fan. But if they win five games next year, I'm with you, man. And that's why I think if you bring back Judge, they can't rebuild. They mm -hmm. can't. How can you rebuild? You've been rebuilding for the last two years. So <laughs> uh, that, that that's the issue that I potentially see. Um, if you bring back Joe Judge, I don't think you're going to get what a lot of fans want. And we were talking about it uh, earlier today before we started the podcast. I was actually surprised, and I think so were you when you made your Russell uh, Wilson video, how against the trade or, or the potential trade to try to bring in the, in the, in the quick fix that the fan base uh, was – 
which is which is funny because generally New York fans you think are going to be you know they want the, they want to win immediately as quickly as possible. Obviously, Russell Wilson would give you a better chance to do that, but it seems like Giants fans are full on board with the rebuild. But I don't see how you can completely knock it down if you bring Judge back. Yeah, it was surprising. As you said, New York fans are usually like, oh, let's just go all in. Let's let's win right now. But yeah, I mean, the comments I received on the Russell Wilson video, a lot of just, no, you can't do that. And like, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I, I get it, of course, but that's not how these fans usually are. And I think at this point, if you're the Giants, I mean, what can you do? As you just mentioned, you spent like $200 million in free agency. You were supposed to compete for the playoffs. The Giants season has been over for, I don't know, a month and a half, two months now, it feels like, um, you know, you were supposed to be a lot better than this, but I, I just don't know how you go from all these big contracts to rebuilding team next year. I think the more likely outcome is that Joe judge and John Mara well, Joe judge, of course, specifically makes moves to save his job in 2022. I don't see the giants completely rebuilding in 2022. I hope they do, but I just don't see that being the outcome because you had your rebuilding year in 2020. We know that they go uh, six and ten. They would go five and three the second half of the year. And Joe Judge is looking great. But then you spend all this money this past offseason. And maybe the Giants' problem stems from they went all in too fast. Maybe they should have waited another offseason. Maybe they should have played out 2021 with house money and see what they could do. But the fact that they spent all this money last offseason and now you now you kind of have to go back to rebuilding, I just think they don't want to do that. But I, I am surprised how much fans want to rebuild at this point because I have not seen that in the past. And it kind of feels like 2018 again in a way. Not as bad, but like we know as Giants fans, we probably should be rebuilding right now. But the Giants front office won't think that way and they'll probably go all in again next year in a way and we'll probably come up short so i don't know it's just frustrating because we can kind of see the future and it probably won't go too well but they also put themselves in this position so i i just don't know what to think right now it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting offseason for sure yes. um i want to jump into some of the other quotes that judge actually had to say that vacciano brought up he said i've said this from the beginning i'm not interesting interested in having some kind of quick flash judge said i'm not interested in shortcuts i'm not interested in quick fixes I want to do this the right way. When I took this job, I made it very, very clear that I was only doing going to do this if we're all committed to doing this the right way. So when he says that, Mike, the way that I read that, and I don't know the way that you interpret that, when he says at the very end of that, um, when I took this job, I made it very, very clear that I was going to do this if we're all committed to doing it the right way. The way that I read that is either him talking to Mara through that or him talking to the media that him and Mara had this discussion we agreed that this was going to be a slow, progressive incline to where we need to be as an organization. That's the way that I read that. And I don't know if that's him saying, I know I'm going to be back, or if that's him pleading to Mara, listen, you better you better be honest to the promise that you gave me when I took this job, that we knew this wasn't going to be a quick fix, that we knew that this was going to take time to build this thing up properly. I think you hit the nail on the head right there with that second part. I think Joe Judge is kind of pleading to John Mara saying, hey, remember the interview we had in, in January of 2020 when you said we'll give you a few years to build this thing? Well, you can't fire me after year two now. I mean, you pretty much made a promise. I, I think a lot of it is Joe Judge pleading for his job and – I don't know. I mean, I can't blame the guy. Obviously, you don't want to get fired after two years. And I don't know if Joe Judge will ever get a head coaching job again if he was hypothetically fired after this. I don't see that happening. So um, maybe he wishes he went to Mississippi Hey, man, you State. never know, man. Genie got a job after the Jets fired him right away. Yeah. No, that's true. It, yeah. was the, it was the Browns, though, right? Because that's, you yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> at least they're kind of competent now. But yeah, I mean, maybe he goes to the Lions or something if, if Dan Campbell gets fired. I don't know. But um, I get where Joe Judge is coming from. And 
I just feel a lot of that was kind of like, don't fire me because you made me this promise two years ago and, and don't be that guy that breaks a promise. And like you said, it's going to be pressure on Mara because if Mara does this, the other thing you have to think about as a fan is what coach is going to want to come in and be like, pick me, pick me, yeah. pick me. If you fired three coaches after two years and you're bringing them into a situation where there's not a lot of cap space, you have a lot of bad contracts now on this team, with whether it be Leonard Williams, whether it be Kenny Galladay, whether it be Adore Jackson, guys that you're not going to be able to just move on from initially right away. And you potentially have a quarterback, and we don't know the situation yet with Daniel Jones, hopefully he's okay. Um, that the owner may or may not want to move on from after three years. So there's a lot that's going to go into this offseason um, in terms of, you know, who's even going to want to take this job if they move on from Judge. Um, but let's jump into a couple more things here. Judge wouldn't say if he's spoken to Mara or Tish about his future, but one source who had spoken to Mara in recent weeks, so again, he's going back to his source, said the co-owner continues to praise Judge and seems to believe he's the right coach to turn the program around. The source added that Mara believes Judge has brought some much-needed changes to the organization, both cultural and structural. The source said after four years of quote-unquote chaos following the departure of Tom Coughlin, Judge detailed some of these changes on Monday, saying as part of this rebuilding project, he had to teach players how to practice. And we all know the, the, the tennis balls and all, you know, all that. Something he said took a lot longer than I thought, to be honest with you. Bring the right guys into the building to change the culture and make changes uh, to internal details, such as the nutrition program for players, which probably explains why Kelvin Benjamin didn't uh, didn't get didn't get the job with the New York Giants because he came in like forty pounds overweight or whatever it was. He had like a weight limit for Kelvin Benjamin, but now he's now he's bringing it back to nutrition. He's bringing it back to practice. I don't know, Mike. What's your take on all this? Uh, they're just looking for any excuse to keep the guy is what it looks like. Um, oh, if they have a point, I've been impressed with some of the things Joe Judge has done. Even the um, the thing they do now where, like, they don't travel – like, when they play road games and in, in far away, let's say like, at the Chargers, they don't travel back the same night. They wait an extra day. Like, they do different things now with Joe Judge, and he mentioned about the tennis balls and practice and all these type of different things. It, it all sounds good, but this is a results-driven business. We know that. And when you spend the money they did and, and didn't win um, – even regardless of the injuries, it's it's not what you want to see. So I don't know what they're going to do, Chris. I really don't. I, I wish we knew. I wish we knew who the source was because that's another thing as well. Um, you know, they're. I feel like they're just trying to make any excuse to keep this guy because I just think when you watch this thing as like a fair person, let's say you're a Tennessee Titans fan, but you follow the NFL and you're watching the Giants right now. How can you look at Joe Judge and be like, that guy's a good head coach, you know? But the Giants also might be in this problem of like, as you said, who's going to want to coach the Giants if Joe Judge is fired? Another coach, you know, three coaches after two years are gone. Who's going to want to coach the Giants at that point? You know what I mean? They might be stuck in like this David Culley situation with the Texans and hire some coach that has you know no chance of surviving there, but someone's got to do it. So, um, yeah, that's a problem as well. And uh, with that said, it, it seems like he'll be back next year and we just got to deal with it. So we'll see. We'll see. We don't know yet, but well, you know, right now it's all hearsay and rumors and we'll find out within a month uh, exactly what they're going to do. And then finally judge says it's a production business. We understand that. But before you start getting all the results that everyone could see, you've got to get everything be uh, right behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. I think, I think what a lot of Giants fans are going to say, well, how long does it take to get things right <laughs> behind the scenes before you start winning football games? I mean, we're sick of it. Like, listen, when Gettleman, you know, first started talking about the culture, as a fan, I'm willing to buy into it a little bit. I'm like, okay, it was a mess. This team completely quit on Ben McAdoo in 2017. It was a disaster. It was the most embarrassing season 
in New York Giants history, at least, or at least since I've been watching the football team the last five, six weeks, not just the Eli Manning thing. That team completely quit on him. So I was I, I, I bought into the culture thing for a bit. I said, okay, I understand. They need to clean up the locker room. But how long does it take to clean up the locker room, Mike? They've been cleaning up this locker room now since 2018. We're still not winning football games. <laughs> That excuse is done with. I don't want to hear about their diet plan. I don't want to hear about any of this, Mike. I think as fans, we want to start to see wins. So what he's saying here with the nutrition, come on. Hey, to me, to me, it's nonsense. Fans don't want to hear that. Um, and, and hopefully we start getting some results on the field uh, if he is back next year with the New York Times. Because if we don't, he's going to be gone the following year. And and it's what it goes back to why, when we initially talked about Russell Wilson. I I don't see a path where the Giants could take a slow and steady approach next year if they keep Joe Judge with this roster. You put your fa- you put your foot on the gas pedal this offseason. When you spend as much as you did in, off-se- in the offseason, bringing in Kenny Galladay, bringing in all these guys, you try to accelerate the process. Like you said earlier, maybe they shouldn't have done that, but they did. You can't go back on that now. And if you're going to keep Joe Judge or you're going to try to bring it, and we both agree that Joe Judge had a lot to do with the personnel decisions over the last two years. So if you're going to stick with Judge, you can't, completely blow it up i don't see it so we'll see um we'll get our answers soon though and i'm sure we're gonna have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks during this podcast but i kind of want to um bring it into a little bit of broad nfl plan on doing a lot more of this as the uh season progresses especially as the playoffs get underway i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of great matchups to talk about unfortunately we won't uh, be playing in any of those games because our team stinks um, but around the NFL yesterday, of course you had the, uh, the Rams game, which was, it was a pretty good game. I was at, I, I how much you watched that whole game, Mike? I did. Yeah. Okay. Obviously Odell Beckham is, is what's going to jump off the page for most Giants fans caught his third touchdown in three straight games. Twitter was a madhouse. People, you know, obviously you have people on one side of the fence with Odell, uh, people on the other, but the one guy that really jumped out to me in that game while I was watching the game and I tweeted about it, James Conner. Looked like a completely different player to me. And, and again, I don't watch a lot of Steelers games, but I watch him here and there. I don't know if it's because he fits the offense so much better in Arizona. I don't know. And maybe it's the fact that Kyler Murray's a threat to run. It opens up running lanes for him. And James Conner in the passing game, the guy was snagging one-handed grabs. He's the guy that stood out the most to me in that football game. Um, but what was your take on that game? How do you view both those teams going forward? Actually, I picked Arizona to win, so I was a bit disappointed. I lost out on a lot of money because of that, too, so I'm not happy. But, um, yeah, I mean, as you said about James Conner, been very impressed. It's it's uh, more of a running back haven over there because of, you know, the spread offense, and a lot of times they don't stack the box against those Cardinals running backs, but the guy has been awesome. Remember that play in the, on the goal line where Aaron Donald almost had him wrapped up, and he still found a way to get in the end yeah. zone on fourth down? It's just crazy. The one-handed catches. He made one last week against Chicago, too. That was awesome in the rain. So, um, you know, with Arizona – I don't know. I want to believe in that team. This was the week I finally bought in. I picked Arizona, as I said, but we just saw too many flaws with their defense. And they were so close at some points, too. The Cooper Cup touchdown, we saw the the cornerback, Marco Wilson, the rookie, was so close to making a play on that ball and somehow went through his arms, basically, and Cooper Cup was there for the touchdown. Um, we saw some big plays for Van Jefferson and, and Odell Beckham, who we mentioned. But the thing with the Rams, as I wanted to say, the Rams kind of got away from their identity. The Rams with Jared Goff were so used to running play action and getting Jared Goff these clean pockets. But the Rams in recent weeks, I would say the past five or six weeks, have been so reliant on Matthew Stafford doing drop back passes. And with that said, their offensive line struggled a ton. I did a video on the Rams how Matthew Stafford was sacked more in a three-week span or, or three or five, I think it was a three-week span than he was the first eight games of the year. I mean, that's just insane. So they were putting so much pressure on the offensive line when Matthew Stafford was doing dropbacks. And now 
you know, the Rams have running back one Daryl Henderson out, but Sony Michelle has stepped in and done a great job. And the Rams are kind of getting back to their roots of running the ball hard and doing play action off of that. And it's been working out for them. So hopefully for the Rams, they figured something out. And the fact that they won that game without Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in football, without their tight end one and Tyler Higby, without their starting right tackle in Havenstein, I was impressed, honestly, with the Rams. And I do think they're back now. This is a big win for them. Yeah, huge win. The Rams were actually my uh, the team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl before, Me too. The, year, mm-hmm. before the year started. Yeah. I wouldn't pick them now, and we're going to get into that in, in a minute in ter- terms of the teams that, that we really like in terms of either conference. But I'll tell you what, man, Matt Stafford last night looked terrific. Yep. Um, and obviously, Sean McVay has a lot to do with that. You saw what Gop was able to do with McVay in 2018, 2019 in the MVP discussion. But regardless, Stafford's always been a guy that I always thought was at least top 10 at the position in terms of talent. And never really had the pieces around him. Early in his career, he had Calvin Johnson. But even then, they didn't have a running game. The defense was horrific. Um, He comes over to the Rams now with arguably the best 53-man roster in football. And he has an opportunity to excel. So, I was really impressed with that Rams team. But when I look around the NFC, Mike, right now, um, you know, you got the Packers now as the one seed. You got Tampa as the two. You got Arizona as the three. The Cowboys as the four. The Rams as the five. And then you just got a complete jumble after that. You got the Niners, Washington, Vikings, Eagles. Falcons and Saints all within a game of one another. To me, it's like a five-team race in terms of teams that you could view as like true contenders, and that stops at the Rams right now as the five. They may still win that division in the West. Not sure the tiebreakers are going to play out between them and the Cardinals. But I looked at the Cardinals last night, Mike, and maybe I'm wrong. Unless they get home field advantage, I don't view them as a true contender. I don't. That team to me is like built on speed, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, if they have to go in the Lambeau field in the yeah. playoffs – not to mention uh, Kyler Murray's inexperienced. Kyler Murray's terrific. One of the most fun players to watch in the NFL. The way that I could best describe Kyler Murray, and I don't watch every Arizona Cardinals game, but whenever I watch them play, it's amazing to me how the guy could make so many incredible throws, but he also makes, he equals it out with making bonehead. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like on playoff time, when you're going up against good defenses, they're going to pick on that. Um, I'm, I just think they're inexperienced. They have an inexperienced coach with Cliff Kingsbury. So I don't really view them as a true contender. I The way I'm looking at the NFC uh, right now, Mike, I think it might be a rematch of last year's uh, NFC title game. I, I think it's going to be Rodgers, and I think it's going to be Brady going at it again, um, especially if the Packers get that first round by and uh, all, you know, all roads go through Green Bay. It's funny you mentioned that about Kyler Murray. He had that easy throw last night to uh, Zach Hurts on the left sideline, and then Giants legend Leonard Floyd intercepted it. I mean, it was it was a great play by Floyd, but Kyler Murray, as you said, misses those easy throws. You mentioned the home field advantage. I saw a stat last night that the the Arizona Cardinals are undefeated on the road this year and are like that. three and two at home. Now probably three and three. It's it's weird how that works, and that's like a tough place to play too. I think the fans there are very good. Um, in terms of the NFC. You mentioned it. The top five teams are pretty much in play. I want to throw one more in there that I think is kind of legit. It's the 49ers. I think the 49ers are getting back to their roots of running the ball and playing good defense. Their secondary has been great this year. I mean, I think the Niners actually have a chance. I know Garoppolo is not ideal, of course, but uh, they've been getting it done against some good teams lately. So the 49ers I would throw in there. I always feel like with Dallas, something's going to go wrong. We know Dallas. There's there's some In my lifetime, at least, something always goes wrong with that team, even when they have a great team. Tony Romo botches the extra point hold and things like that. We see it all the time. Aaron Rodgers rolls out to his left and finds Jared Cook on this improbable play. Something always goes wrong with the uh, with the Cowboys. But yeah, the Packers, Buccaneers, and the Rams, I think, are my top three right now in this NFC. I think the Buccaneers are so freaking good. I think that's my pick right now to go to the Super Bowl. But I would love to see Aaron Rodgers. I think me and you are big Aaron Rodgers guys. So if we saw Rodgers win a, a second ring, that'd be that'd be great, of course. But I think the Buccaneers up and down right now are the best roster in the NFC. 
I'd agree with that overall, but I, I have a feeling. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to pick the Packers right now. I think the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl. I just have that feeling. But I agree. I do think the Bucs are the better team right now. And I definitely can't argue with anybody uh, based off the fact that Brady always finds a way to get it done in the playoffs, regardless of where he's playing. Um, but that, that's the way I see it. I think it'll be those two teams. Like you said, I'm not going to completely write off the Rams quite yet, though. McVay's a great coach. And maybe they are starting to get hot at the right time. They kind of cooled off their midseason. Maybe they're starting to heat up. Dallas is interesting. Um, you know, when, the one thing I'll, I'll say, though, obviously the Giants fan, I'm thrilled. But if I was a Cowboys fan, one thing that would worry me in recent weeks, maybe the last month, Dak does not look like his normal mm-hmm. self. Um, and I don't know if that has something to do with possibly the injury. I, I don't know. But Dak, to me, does not look like uh, the same quarterback that we saw maybe week four, week five. Um, but you always got to give Dallas a chance. They got a really good, um, obviously, offensive line. Um, which could obviously establish a ground game, which is a, a bigger reason why the Giants were able to win Super Bowls back in 2007, 2008. If you can control the line of scrimmage, that's going to be your best defense going up against the Packers, going up against the Bucs, keeping Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady off the field. But the, the, the biggest Achilles heel for me with that Dallas team is going to be their defense. And I know their defense has ex- greatly exceeded expectations this year, due in uh, part uh, to Micah Parsons, who's got 12 sacks and, Obviously, Diggs is having a great year as well. I think he's got nine or ten picks. But that's a defense that is so reliant on turnovers. And I feel like if you're going to go up against a team like the Packers, a cerebral quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, if you're going to go up against a team like the uh, Brady and the Bucks, I think in the end they're going to pick that defense apart. Uh, come, come playoff time, I think they'll get exposed. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I would say the Rams are my third team. But I think those are the three true contenders in the NFC. The, the 49ers are not a bad suggestion. I actually like them a lot going into the year. And Garoppolo has demonstrated in the past with the right team around him, obviously could win a Super Bowl. He was this close uh, going up against Pat Mahomes. And I think it's why neither one of us would be against getting Garoppolo as a stopgap quarterback next year um, if the Giants elect to go that route. Um, Let's turn our attention to the AFC. The the AFC is interesting as well. I think it's kind of cut and dry, but I'm curious to get your take right now. That's what I think. I think it too. Yep. I think it's cut and dry, man. The, 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 The one interesting division, because there's so much parity for me, is the AFC North because nobody wants to win that division. Nobody wants to go to bed. You've got Pittsburgh at six, six, and one. You got the Browns at seven and six. You've got the Bengals at seven and six. And now you got the Ravens at eight and five. Lamar Jackson got hurt last week. I'm not sure exactly what his injury status is, but the Ravens haven't looked hot. Um, Cincinnati here and there, the Browns, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. One week they look like they could win, you know, play it, be a pretty good team. The next week they look horrible. Mayfield's still kind of struggling with the injury that he's had. So the AFC North is completely up in the air for me, but I don't view any of those teams as a true title contender. The one I have two sleepers in the AFC. Um, I don't like the Titans. I'm let me guess. Of, let me guess one of them. Yeah, the Colts. Big time, big, yeah. <laughs> big, big time on the Colts. I actually really like the Colts. Now the Colts are seven and six, but if you look at their schedule, for one, the Colts have the most points in the NFL in the AFC at least this year, which surprised me when I saw that. Hmm. Um, they put up a lot of points. But their loss, they played a tough schedule. I mean, they lost to Seattle week one. But at that point, people thought Seattle was going to be a pretty good team with Russell Wilson. They lost to the Rams. They lost at Tennessee. They lost at Baltimore when they were healthy week five. They then lost to Tennessee again in overtime. And then they lost to Brady in the Bucs, 38-31. But they went into Buffalo and they won 41-15. I mean, they have some impressive wins as well. They beat San Francisco on the road by 12. Um, so, I don't know. I, I like the way the, t- the, the culture built. They were a sleeper for me, for sure. I like their offensive line a lot. Of course, a lot of that's going to go down to Carson Wentz. By no means am I picking them to go to the Super Bowl, but they're definitely a team that I would not be surprised at all if they have, say, a wild card upset round one, if they're the sixth or the seventh seed. I'm not too hot on the Bills. I was impressed with the effort that Josh Allen put forth this past week, keeping them in the game. 
but they're not going to be one of my sleepers. The other sleepers, the Chargers, man. Hmm. Uh, we saw Herbert firsthand this week, and that guy, you know, and I, I, like you said, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Like, he he is my favorite player that is not a giant since I've been watching the sport. I think he is super underappreciated by a lot of fans around the NFL. A lot of it due to the fact of his off-the-field stuff, for sure. I understand it and his personality. If there's one quarterback that when I watch him play, I say that guy could be the next Aaron Rodgers, it's Justin Herbert. Um, he's got all the skills you could ever want, and I know he's wet behind the ears. I'm not picking him to do it, but could I see the Chargers winning a playoff game or two behind Justin Herbert? Sure. Um, but for me, it comes down to the hot Chiefs, and it comes down to the New England Patriots. And Bill Belichick, man, and, and I don't think there's a Super Bowl anybody would rather see than the Patriots versus the Bucs. Yep. Um, Belichick versus Brady, like the storyline would be incredible. And even though, and I think the Patriots are proving it, man, for everybody that says you have to have a high-flying offense to go out there and win week in and week out, the Patriots are proving that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of ways to win in the NFL, and the Patriots are showing if you could run the football effectively and play good defense, you could do it. I mean, obviously harsh weather conditions may have helped them out a bit against the Bills, but the fact that Mac Jones only had to throw three times <laughs> and they were able to still win that football game is incredible to me. So whenever you got Bill Belichick with that mind, you got to you got to give them a legitimate chance the way that defense has played this year, um, especially if all roads go through Foxborough and 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 the Chiefs are just hot as anybody right now. You saw the way they played against the Raiders this week. You got to give them respect. The problem I have with the Patriots, two things. One, that we never seen a rookie quarterback win a Super Bowl, so that's one. But number two is that it was the same question we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo back in 2019 when the 49ers were hot, was that when the Patriots get down two possessions, can Mac Jones bring them back? Obviously, Mac Jones is really good in a positive game script when they can run play action and just run the ball down teams' throats and play from ahead. But how is Mac Jones when they're down by 10, 13 points, 14 points? Like, we don't really know. I mean, maybe he's been in a situation before I'm forgetting about, but uh, we have yet to see that. So I want to see how he looks in those situations. But the Patriots are built perfectly for the playoffs, obviously. You mentioned the Colts. They're also built perfectly. The problem I have with the Chargers is that they can't tackle on defense and they can't stop the run. I don't know how much that's going to hold up in the playoffs. They could win a game or two, I agree with you, but I think their ceiling is kind of capped in a way because of how, I don't know, just how inconsistent that defense can be when stopping the run and missing tackles. Um, but the AFC for me, I, honestly, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I don't know who's beating that team right now. I mean, they started out the year when we played them, they were what, three and four or something? They were bad. Like they had a bad yeah. record. And ever since then, they've been on this like big winning streak. So, Kansas City's defense the past five or six games has been one of the best in football. They just put up like a five turnover game against Derek Carr's offense and the uh, and the the Raiders. So, yeah, their defense is on fire right now. We know about Spagnolo and obviously the Chiefs offense is great. We, they just hung up like 40 something points on the Raiders. And I know the Raiders defense is not elite, but that's very impressive. So if the Chiefs find it offensively as much as they are defensively right now, they're pretty much unbeatable. And I think they should steamroll the AFC. The problem is. Do they get a buy? Because right now they're tied with the Patriots, tied with the Titans. I don't think the Titans are legit by any means, but um, can they get that first round buy? That would be big, of course, for the Chiefs and get that home field advantage and playing at home there in a tough environment in KC. So that's a big thing, of course. But if they get home field, I think as long as Mahomes is healthy, that team's going to the Super Bowl again. But the NFC is what it comes down to because I have no idea. There's like four legitimate teams that can win that conference. I'm completely with you in terms of the Chiefs being the far and away favorite, the way they're playing right now. They're go They're hot going in. Uh, the, the Patriots for me would be the, the team that maybe would stand the best chance. And it's only because of Bill Belichick. But like you said, the problem the Patriots have for me is like you said, if they fall behind by two scores, they're very, you know, what they remind me of um, the Patriots, this, this year's team. They remind me so much of that Jets team 
that knocked off the Patriots in the playoffs yeah. with Mark Sanchez when they went on the road and they beat him. This team is so similar to that. That was a team that led the league in rushing that year. Um, I think it was Sean Green was the running back on that team. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was, I don't remember, Thomas Jones, I think, maybe led the league in rushing. Might have been LT at that point. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe. something like that. I can't yeah. remember. But that t- it reminds me so much of that team. You had an inexperienced quarterback with Mark Sanchez, who obviously didn't turn out to be very good. Um, but a guy that you couldn't trust if you fell behind by more than a score. You relied on the defense, you relied on the running game. And it worked to a certain extent. It got him the two straight AFC title games. But like you said, when it came down to it, couldn't couldn't put him over the top. So I, I think that's why you certainly got to favor the Chiefs. Be such a good matchup. Belichick versus Reed, in my opinion, two of the best yeah. head coaches in football. But the uh, the Chiefs, obviously, to me, I, I'm in complete agreement, have to be the far and away favorite right now. And I do think the Colts are a team that are built the, uh, the, the proper way that if things start to click, maybe you could go on a bit of a run in the playoffs. But the Chiefs have to be the odds-on favorite. And then the last thing I want to talk about with you is the MVP race. I think it's an interesting discussion. Obviously, the big favorite's got to be probably Tom Brady. I mean, his stats are off the chart, and he's Tom Brady. If there's a reason to give him the trophy, they're probably going to do it. He's got 36 touchdowns this year. Bucks are having a great year. Um, but me, if I take the award by the definition, and like you said, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but if I take the award by the definition, I'm giving it to Aaron Rodgers. I've seen what this Green Bay Packers team this year has looked like without Aaron Rodgers. They scored seven freaking points against the Kansas City Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers this year, the first game he was on cruise control because he didn't he didn't play all the preseason. So he had a horrible game his first game. He threw two picks. And I was looking at his stats today, Mike. Aaron Rodgers this year has played how many games? He has played uh, 12, uh, 12 games. If you take away the first game this year, which I think we could both agree was not Aaron Rodgers, that was like <laughs> Mike Lennon the yeah. first week this year. If you take that game away, this guy has thrown – uh, I'm trying to do the math off the top of my head. 75 touchdowns and seven interceptions over his last 26 or 27 games. Holy crap. Like that is insane <laughs> to me. And and you saw if, if the definition is by most valuable, I don't think Brady is more valuable to his team than Aaron Rodgers. To me, Aaron Rodgers, like I said, when he was out of the lineup, you saw what this Green Bay offense is, and uh, he's putting up, again, insane stats, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's only thrown two picks since week one. I mean, i give it to Rodgers. Obviously, I can't argue Tom Brady, and if you're going non-quarterback, Cooper Cup needs to be in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really argue Aaron Rodgers either. Um, I'd said this to you before. Uh, PFF wants to make Trent Williams the uh, MVP, left tackle of the 49ers, which me and you both agree that would be awesome to see an offensive lineman win the award, but that would never happen. It's usually a quarterback-driven award. Um, Cooper Cup, definitely interesting. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor's name deserves to be in there, as I mentioned. Um, you know, I see Kyler Murray up here. I don't see that happening, especially after last night. Um Justin Herbert and the Chargers probably have too many losses. Matthew Stafford had that. If Matthew Stafford didn't have that four-game stretch of not playing well, I think he'd be really pretty much in it. But, you know, I just feel like they had too much of a you know a speed bump at one point. I mean, really, it comes down to Brady and Rodgers, right? I mean, maybe Mahomes sneaks in there again as, as the Chiefs continue to win. But Mahomes had, I think, seven interceptions like the first five games. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Lamar Jackson's name was in there the first uh, you know, month and a half of the season after that Colts overtime victory. He's kind of out of it now. So, you know, Brady and Rodgers, the old guys, they're back, you know, guys who have been around since like the early 2000s. So it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, honestly, um, either guy could win it. It wouldn't surprise me. I think 
I think most valuable, though, when you put it to the definition, is probably Aaron Rodgers. I mean, obviously, if it's Blaine Gabbert playing quarterback with the Buccaneers, it's not going to be the same team. We get that. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers has less of a great environment than Tom Brady does, and that should influence the decision. I mean, outside of Devontae Adams, it's a bunch of just – I don't want to say I mean, nobody. He didn't have Adams for like three games. Yeah, it's true as well. Yeah, especially you know, the Thursday night game against the Arizona Cardinals. But if you take Adams off that team, there's like no wide receivers. You have washed up Randall Cobb and Valdez Scantling drops half his passes. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of just nobodies out there. And then you have, you know, the offensive line has been so freaking injured this year. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, who's a great player, I don't think has played yet this year. Their other right tackle slash left tackle, Elton Jenkins, tore his ACL a few weeks ago. This guy is just playing with like no offensive lineman. Their, their center, Corey Lindsley, who went to the Chargers, who was an all pro center, went, you know, he left this offseason. So Aaron Rodgers is playing with some just made up offensive line right now. Of course, the Packers find a way to get it done. But my goodness, I mean, yeah, I, I'm making the argument for you right now about Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, it would not shock me either way if it's Brady or Rodgers at the moment. I think in the. I think in the end it'll be Brady because it's Brady because he's going to have more touchdowns and because Rodgers has you know done some things that maybe the, yes, the league that's not- that's a big part that's definitely a big I, part I think that yeah. I think that's a big part but if you ask me who's the true MVP this year and it's coming from a guy who's biased I'm a big Rodgers guy but I'm giving it to Rodgers and if Rodgers got it he'd only be the second quarterback in the history of the NFL to have more than three MVPs the other one would wow. be Peyton Manning um, so we'll see I just think it's an interesting race. But, Mike, just want to talk some broad NFL with you. And, yeah, this was cool, man. I, you know, if people really like this, let us know. I know that we talked about that we want to kind of throw out some questions in terms of, uh, you know, to, to let some of the subscribers or listeners dictate where the conversation is going to go in future episodes. So maybe talk a bit about that. And my dog's barking. Let me let her upstairs real quick. I'm going to let you talk real quick about the questions. Hold on one second. Well, I didn't know Chris had a dog, so this is very interesting. But, yeah, I mean, uh, we want to actually put out some questions to you guys before the podcast begins. A couple hours before we start recording, we'll put out a question, like some other podcasts do, of, like, you know, what type of questions do you guys – do? like, what do you guys want us to talk about? So if you guys have any interesting topics, like, I don't know, there's probably different things. There's so many things about sports right now we can talk about. I was kind of lobbying with Chris. We should talk about Kyrie Irving returning to the Nets possibly, but obviously no one cares about the Nets, so that was not going to happen. So, um, yeah, we'll go to you guys, and we'll talk about – you know, you guys can kind of dictate the conversation. Chris, I wanted to ask you one question, actually, before we get off. I saw this rumor yesterday, maybe two days ago. Do you want Ben Simmons to go to the New York Knicks? Yeah, I saw that rumor, too. Um, hmm. It would depend. <laughs> it would depend on what the offer was. The, the thing that I question about Simmons, I think he's too soft for New York, man. Mm. I mean, this guy said that, I mean, he basically, and I know he might have uh, went back on the statement, but he basically said that the fans of Philadelphia bothered him. Uh, what do you think the New York Knicks meant? I mean, so I don't know how well he would fit in New York. You know, the fans would probably get under his skin eventually because the guy can't hit a three. We, we would shoot threes better than him. Yeah. Um, but I like Simmons. He's a great on-ball defender, something that the Knicks certainly need after they lost Reggie Bullock. Obviously, he's a great distributor and a very good all-around player. He just can't score, can't shoot. Um, but yeah, for the right price, I'd certainly be interested for sure. He's a good player. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, people were talking about you should trade Kyrie for Ben Simmons. I was like, absolutely not. But yeah, if, if the Knicks got like a good offer for him, I mean, I guess that could work. But as you mentioned, I don't know how we'd hi- um, handle this environment. It's definitely a tough one. I know Knicks fans are pretty rowdy, so I don't know how we'd handle that situation. They act like we won the NBA finals when we won an opening night with the Bing Bongs. So. You're telling me. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to doing uh, more of these in the future. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. And, uh, yeah, maybe maybe if people really like this, maybe we'll even do it twice a week. We'll see. But um, thank you for listening. I'm going to end it now, Mike, and uh, we'll talk for a second after. <laughs>